Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Revelation chapter number 21, and uh, I want to read the first few verses, then I want to talk a little bit this evening uh, with the Lord's help about heaven and what heaven is like and what the Lord wants us to know about heaven. So Revelation chapter number 21, and let's stand together. I'm going to read uh, verse number 1 down to verse uh, number 5, all right? So Revelation chapter 21, verse number 1 down to verse number 5. If you don't have a Bible with you this evening, uh, there should be one perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you, maybe in the back of the seat behind you. And uh, we are in the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, all right? Go all the way to the back. You'll see concordance. That's not a book of the Bible, okay? And then go forward, you'll find Revelation. That's a book, and that's where we'll be. Verse number tw- chapter 21, verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, you get you have to mark this in your ver- mark this in the verse. I make all things new. That, that, what, a, what a promise in verse number five. And he that sat upon the throne said, I make all things new. He said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. These words are true and faithful. And it's with words like this that we encourage ourselves during times of loss. We tell ourselves about the hope of heaven. We tell ourselves about the promise of eternal life. We say things like, well, we'll see our loved ones again. See, grandma again. We'll see grandpa again. We'll see uh, a husband or a wife. Uh, thinking even more specifically to our situation here, we say things like, well, we'll see brother Peter again. This is, this is encouraging. This helps our heart. But we do not say it simply because it helps our heart. See, see what, see what the, uh, the Lord is telling John? He's saying, write this Write this because it helps your heart. Is that what he's saying? Or write this because it's encouraging. Or write this because it's comforting to hear. That's not what he says to write it. He says write it. Why? For two reasons. Because it's true and faithful, right? Write this, think about this, because this is true. This is true. Now, what does God want us to know about heaven? There are two ideas. There's a lot... In that question, I know we can't answer all of that. Even the Bible doesn't answer all of that. We'll see some of that in just a minute. But there's, there's two ideas I want to point out uh, just by way of Revelation 21. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Give us understanding. 
Give us clarity. Give us hope. And in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together. Amen. Amen. Early Monday morning, Brother Bumakad went home to be with the Lord. He fought a good fight. He finished his course. He kept the faith. This is the goal, right? Fight your fight. Run your race. Keep the faith. This is what all of us could hope for when our lives are done, that these three things could be said about us. Whatever else comes, whatever other accomplishments we gain along the way, if we don't do those three things, then have we really accomplished anything? The Bumakads are with us again tonight. I, I actually, I encourage them to, to skip church tonight. You say, Pastor, you're, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to encourage people to skip church. But I did. And Ms. Bumakad said, no, I'm not going to be that. I want to be, be in church. What a testimony that is for our church, that they feel loved. They feel welcome. They, uh, they feel like they can be here at a time like this. They feel the support and the care from so many people in the room who throughout this week have, in a variety of ways, extended all kinds of Christ-like love. I, I think I can speak for them in saying they are so grateful for the love that you've shown to them. There's no way that they could ever repay it. They, 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 they couldn't repay it even if they, they could. They couldn't. And, and they're, they're certainly not trying to, but they, they want you to know that. Um, they, they, they truly have felt the love of Christ through you. One of the pastoral privileges is during times of suffering and loss, you get a front row seat to how someone lives out their faith. I was given a front row seat to watch Miss Evelyn, Barnella, Peter, Ace, Elwin, and Caitlin. Miss Evelyn, the strong matriarch of the family, she led her family well. She led her family well. She loved Brother Peter with a steadfast, selfless, sanctifying, and serving love. For really the better part of two months, she never left his side. The last three weeks in particular, she was cuddled up on a little office chair it was about three feet long, appropriately sized for Miss Evelyn, right there next to his bed. I think that chair was custom built for her. I don't know, but she fit on it perfectly. She never said one cross word. She greeted every nurse, every doctor with a thank you and you're doing great and God is in control. Every time I heard her interact with anyone, that's exactly well, she's thank you so much for your care. You're doing a wonderful job, and God is in control. She never one time demanded an answer. She never one time, not even in her weakest moment, did she demand that somebody give her some sort of answer. When she was weak, she simply bowed her head, prayed, wept, cried, read the Bible took pictures of her devotional book, sent them out to everyone. She loved Brother Peter in a way that only the grace of God could have allowed her to. 
She really only wanted one thing. I'd go over to the house, I'd stop by, I'd shoot a text message, a phone call, what can we do, how can we help? She really only wanted one thing. And the one thing she wanted was for God to keep his infinite hand on Brother Peter's life. Well, God did better than that. And a little after 10.30 on Monday morning, God walked Brother Peter into his presence. Brother Peter will certainly be missed. There are few people, as we've heard few, the last few hours, there are few people who have served others, served this church, served you and me, and served the Lord in a way that Brother Bumakot has. He did it quietly. He did it joyfully. It's interesting, when you come to times like this, everyone wants what Brother Bumakot had just a few hours ago. I want more than 700 people in the auditorium remembering his memory, telling fond stories. Everyone wants that, but very few people are willing to serve in a way that they will have that. And Brother Bumakad was. As a dad, he was second to none. He loved his kids, loved his grandkids. He was proud of them. Dr. Vance Havner was a preacher of a decade, or so, a decade ago or so. He was looking to the final years of his life. His dear wife, Sarah, had passed away. Dr. Havner said that he kept hearing the, the phrase, I'm so sorry that you've lost your precious wife. He said he kept hearing this phrase over and over. I'm so sorry that you've lost your precious wife. The Lord comforted Dr. Havner with this thought, and here's what he wrote. How can you consider something lost when you know where it is at? 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How can you consider something lost when you know right where He is? Certainly how we feel today. We do, in a sense, feel lost. We, in another sense, haven't lost Brother Peter. We know right where he is. And even if we could call him back to this earth, I'm certain he would be pretty upset with you and me if he had to show back up here again. Imagine being Lazarus, sick, suffering, Dying. Entering into eternal life only for his sisters to ask Jesus to call him back. Now he has to do it all over again. No believer is truly lost in death. No believer is truly lost in death. Now death for the believer is a doorway that God walks us through into his presence. Two ideas, two very easy ideas. One of them a little more exciting than the other one, but two, okay? Here's the first one. Notice that whether in life or in death, God always heals his children. And two ideas. Whether in life or in death, God always heals his children. Okay, look at verse number one. 
And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven, the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. Okay, look at verse number four. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, and neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are all passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, or look, or pay attention. That's what that word means. Pay attention. I make all things new. So this is the biblical view of heaven. That heaven is the healing place for all of the world. That heaven is the environment of God. It's, it's, the, it's the manifested glory of God. That it comes from God. Heaven is the atmosphere, as it were, of God. C.S. Lewis said, heaven, if it is anything, is the atmosphere of love. The love that God has shown for you and for me. And that it is there in heaven that God removes all the sorrow, all the hurt, all the bad things that, that have happened to us in this life. They're undone in heaven. That's what he says. Look at the verse. All the tears are wiped from their eyes. All the death is taken away. And neither, look at the verse, neither sorrow. So all the bad things in life are undone in some way in heaven. Isn't this ultimately what we've asked from God for Brother Peter from the very beginning? The deacons and I had the opportunity to go to the hospital at Miss Bumakad's request. We took uh, some oil, we prayed over him, anointed him with oil, committed him to the Lord, asked the Lord to heal him, what we expected and, and wanted and even desired physically. But God had a far better healing that he was going to give to Brother Peter. And this is the promise that God gives to us in the Scriptures. It's an ultimate healing. Brother Peter got up and walked out of that bed on Monday. That's what happened. And he walked out of that bed, not into your room or my house or this church, but he walked out of that bed into heaven. That's where he walked out of that bed to. He took one big breath, not of polluted air, but of celestial air. He took one big drink of water, not from some contraption that he has built on his sink that purifies all the water, but from the purest water of all, because it flows right through the middle of that city. This is the promise from heaven, that in heaven your arthritic joints will no longer be arthritic. In heaven your weak heart, it will be strong. In heaven, and there's no cancer. And in heaven... You're given a new mind. And in heaven, there are no forgotten thoughts. And in heaven, there's no memory failure. And I'm certain in heaven, there's no baldness. Praise the Lord, some of you. Really praise the Lord for that. Notice in the verse, notice in the verses, the phrase I want you to see, notice the phrase, no more. Do you see how many times it shows up? No more see. No more see. The sea, was the, the sea was a threat to all ways of life. The, the sea was a threat to all ways of produce. The sea was the way. The sea called the shots. This is why he says in that phrase, no more sea. Think of the worst, awful, scariest, biggest, most terrifying thing. That For them, that was the sea. The sea had a way of just wrecking devastation wherever it went. Notice he said, no more sea. Look at all the no mores in the verse. Look at no more sea. No more tears. 
No more death. No more crying. No more pain. All of these things are now undone. They're all, they're all in the In heaven, no more graves. In heaven, no more hospitals. In heaven, no more broken homes. In heaven, no more broken hearts. In heaven, no more broken hopes. In heaven, no more crying. In heaven, no more sighing. In heaven, no more pain. No, no more moaning. No more groaning. Why? Because all these things pass away. Why do all these things pass away? Because all of those things are linked to sin. Because death is not part of the plan. The wages of sin is death. Death was not a part of the plan. But because of man's sin, death entered into the, to the equation. The wages of sin is what brings about death. So why in heaven or in eternity is there no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hurt, no more mourning and weeping and, and, and crying? Why? Because there's no more sin. It's all done away. And God does some brand new thing. All the no mores, they're wonderful. Because of sin, life is falling apart. We fall apart psychologically. We fall apart emotionally. We fall apart financially. We fall apart in, in all kinds of ways. Ultimately, we fall apart spiritually. All from sin. God desires to make us simply incorruptible. How He does that is He takes us to heaven to be with him. So that's the first idea. The second idea. One more. When you read about heaven in the Bible, you always read in front of the description of heaven, you read the, the word like. You'll read heaven is like a city. Heaven is it's like a wall. Heaven is it's like streets of clear, clear gold. Heaven is, heaven is like these things. So on the one hand, that it's God saying, in heaven, I'm taking all these things away, and this is what I will do to you or for you, because this is true, it's faithful. No mores, all the no mores are beautiful in the Bible. But on the other hand, what God is saying is God is saying, but, but just for the time being, Go ahead and think what heaven must be like. Just, just go ahead. Use your imagination and dream of what heaven must be like. How wonderful must heaven be? How, how incredible must heaven be? How beautiful must heaven look? If this earth groans, Romans says, if this earth groans within herself because of sin, if this sin-cursed world, broken, is groaning within herself and is not the way that God has intended for this world to be, and yet, even in this world, which groans inside of herself, even here we see things that are beautiful. We, we see things that are spectacular. 
We see things that move us. We're in awe of them. We watch waves crash on the shore. We look at the mountains as they're snow-capped. We, 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 we watch a, a storm blow across the sky. We see things that are beautiful in this world, and yet this world is sin-cursed. So if this world, which is sin-cursed, groaning inside of herself for that perfection which she was created for, if that is the way this world is, what must heaven be like? where there's no sin, where there's no brokenness, where there's no pollution, where there's, where there's none of that. What must heaven be like? Think of how wonderful. Go ahead and get lost in the idea of how infinitely beautiful heaven must be. Okay, so I want, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do a practice just for a second. Think of the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful place you've ever been. Just Go there in your mind. Some of you are already there. It's called nap time. And I can tell you're already, in, you're already in it. But go to this, I don't know, Hawaii. I don't know what it is for you, right? I saw some of these pictures from the Philippines where the Fletcher and Michelin were these beautiful pictures of the field. It's unbelievable. These waterfalls. Just, just go there. Go there in your mind. You got it? Ah, feel the breeze. Ah, the mosquitoes. They're everywhere, right? You just, just think about it. Go there. And then just think, heaven is infinitely more beautiful than that. Here's how Paul says it. Neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Okay, so listen to that. Listen to what he just said. Okay, go ahead. Think about how, must, how beautiful the most beautiful place is you've ever been. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. It's all the breeze, all the sunset, all the waterfalls, the clouds, the flowers. Oh, it's all the colors. It's so beautiful. Now think of this. Neither hath entered into your heart, into your mind. Neither hath, you've never had a thought even close to what heaven and eternity with God will be like. So go ahead and do your best. Imagine all you want. Imagine anything you would like. Imagine what heaven, all the colors, all the smells, all the sights, all the people. I think right after Brother Bumakad had passed, was, we're in, in the hospital, I think someone said, well, he's in heaven and we're certain that he's recruiting Moses to be in the choir, right? He was... Moses was being voluntold that he was going to be in the choir. It's just, we just, what's what we do, right? We go, wow, what must he be doing right now? He's praising Jesus. He's seeing his dad. He's he's, he's face to face with all these Bible characters that he loved. He memorized their lives. He wrote songs about them. I mean, wow, what must ever be? Then think about this. Think, wow, that's amazing. This is great. He's having this amazing time. And think, it's better it's infinitely better than that. However good, however wonderful that is, and we think of good and wonderful things, it's infinitely better than that. I want to show you a verse. This is it. We'll be done. Romans 8. We were in Romans 8 this morning. Romans 8 again tonight. Okay, so... Verse 16, here's what Paul says. For the Spirit, that's a capital S, so that means the Holy Spirit. It's capitalized, it's 
speaking of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. See, it's a little s. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. And if heirs of God, then joint heirs with Christ. Okay, so look here. Here's what, here's what he just said. You know what belongs to you? Because you're in Christ? What belongs to you is the inheritance that God has given to Christ. What has God given to Christ? God has given to Christ all things in heaven and in earth. They're all under his control. So that means heaven is Christ. You're in Christ, so you're a joint heir with Christ. So you're heirs of God. The Spirit is witnessing this. That, so heaven is ours. That's what he's saying. So think about this. The, the Spirit tells us that heaven is ours. It's what, it's what God has for us because we put our faith in Jesus. Now watch where he goes. So if so be. And so he's just changing it now, right? Think of how beautiful heaven is. Think, imagine what heaven must be like. All the no mores. Think of all the no mores that are there. And if so be. That we suffer with him. That we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For I reckon, I really think about Whatever suffering I have to go through in this life, it's, it's actually not even comparable to the eternity that we will spend with God. So go ahead. Imagine. Just, just think of what heaven must be like and then remind yourself it is infinitely better than that. It's very interesting this, in, this, in this verse, verse number 18, he says, I reckon that the sufferings, that's an interesting way to say that because what he just said was when I think about my suffering, right? When I think about my suffering, we don't like to think about our suffering. I don't want to think about suffering. I think about, think about good stuff. I don't think about bad stuff. I want to think about good stuff. And yet Paul says the way that you actually understand that the Spirit, Holy Spirit, is witnessing with your spirit, the way you actually prepare yourself for eternity, the way you have that earnest expectation for eternity, the way that happens is you can actually think about the suffering that you're going through. You can, most people, have you ever noticed this? Most people don't want to think about it. They don't want bad news. They can't handle bad news. They can't receive it. They don't know how to process it. They, don't, don't, they plug their ears. Don't tell me anything bad. Only tell me the good stuff. Right? Most people can't process that. Well, why? Because they have no earnest expectation. Because they have no hope. Because there's nothing, there's nothing they're going, oh, just think about how beautiful heaven is. Just think about all the tastes and all the smells and all the sights and all the people. Think about seeing the face of God for the very first time. Think about all the no mores. Think about all of this. This is amazing. God has this for us. And, oh, this is why Brother Bumakad grabs the hand, pulls you close, and says, 
Yeah, but heaven is good too. Yeah, but heaven is good too. Yeah. Yeah, heaven is good. Heaven is good too. So two ideas. God ultimately heals all of his children, whether it's in this life or in the next. Second, heaven is infinitely better than anything you could ever imagine. So, fight the fight. Finish your course. Keep the faith. And put your hope and trust in Jesus. Because it's true. It's true. You know what Brother Peter could call back down? You know what he'd say right now? Church. First bat. I'm sure he'd wiggle his eyebrows up and down, right? It's true. It's true. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's be encouraged in that way. To one, one more encouragement. This is it. Not to do with the text. It has to do with the family. Here's, here's what I want you to do. The Bumakads have received so many good things from so many in the church family, and they're so so grateful. I said this afternoon, but I, I really want all of us to, to, to dial in, okay? The core Sunday night crowd. Sometimes the most difficult days are the days after the funerals, after the burial, after all the friends are gone, after the auditorium's empty. Sometimes those are the most difficult days. So everything from now forward is a brand new experience. Christmas isn't the same now. Thanksgiving isn't the same now. Birthdays aren't the same now. Anniversaries aren't the same now. The end of school, the start of school, the next Easter program, it's not the same. It won't be the same without seeing Brother Peter in his purple shirt leading the Easter presentation, right? It's, it's, every new experience now brings about it, not just for you, but more specifically for them, this, this kind of weight of memories that are good memories, they're fond memories, wonderful memories. But that also opens up a door. We grieve. If he were here, he would have done it this way, or he would know how to handle it. He would know what to say. So here's what I want us to do. Let's do several things. First, I want you to put on your calendar that a week from now, you'll text Miss Bumakad, the children, you'll send them a note, you'll give them a phone call. You'll make some point of contact away from a church service. You'll make some point of contact with them in a week from now. Just was thinking about last Sunday, and I was remembering the service. What a beautiful testimony that was. Okay? That's number one. Second, a month from now, I want you to get your calendar. Go ahead, get your calendar out right now. Get your phone open. Get your calendar out. Just don't act like you don't get it out in church any other time. Don't, don't pretend now that you don't normally play with it. 
Okay. Get your calendar out. In a month from now, I want you to just make a note. A month from now, call Miss Bumiko. Take her a meal. She, she, has more, she has more food at her house right now than she can possibly ever eat. Now, I watched Elwin eat. I'm pretty sure Elwin can put that food down. I'm not. But, but a month from now, you know what she'll need? A meal from you. Take her out to dinner. Take her out to lunch. A month from now. Find, find the birthdays. Call, call the office tomorrow. Miss Betty will give you a list of the Bumakad's anniversary. Parnella and Peter and uh, Ace and Elwin's birthday. And on their birthday, write them a note. Give them a phone call. Write it down, write it down, because if you don't write it down, you're going to forget. Don't look at me like you have a great memory, like it's a steel trap. That memory you're, you're pretending to have is not a steel trap. There's a hole in the bottom of that memory. It's, it's going out quickly. Christmas, Thanksgiving. Make a note right now. Christmas, Thanksgiving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I'm going to call them. I'm going to visit them. I'm going to take them a meal, whatever it is. And right now, surrounded by a lot of friends, a lot of family, a lot of loved ones, the boys are in town. It's, it's always all good, but they, they go back to school. They go, they go back to Utah. And then that's when, they, that's when she needs us to be there. Those are the moments that she needs us to be there. Those are the moments we need to be there. Okay? So just lovingly and pastorally, I'm exhorting you in this way. Let's make sure we do this. Let's make sure we do this. Not just for the Bumakads. There's so many people in our church family we need to do similar things. I'm so thankful this year we'll actually have a very special dinner for those in our church family uh, that have lost someone along the way. Uh, we're doing a Thanksgiving dinner. The deacons, myself, and our staff will be putting a Thanksgiving dinner on for them. And I'm so, so excited to do that. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a very special time. We're trying to build these sorts of things into our calendar to help us, to help us be good at caring for those who need us to be there for them during those seasons. But you help me in that way. Will you help me in that way? How many of you think it's a good thing to help the pastor that way? Okay. Some of you didn't raise your hand. I was watching. It's always a good thing to help the pastor. Let's stand for prayer.